today uh, we've made arrangements for uh, one of our, uh, um, a different minister to preach today. How many, many of you are familiar with New Brothers Fellowship? New Brothers Fellowship is a wonderful uh, prison ministry, in-house and aftercare for, for men and women. Uh, Doug and Caroline Gregan have been directors of this ministry for probably, I want to say about 20 years. Just 18 years, okay. And uh, when Pamela and I came to Haverhill in, um, 15 years ago, we, we met the Gregans, and um, in fact, the New Brothers Fellowship actually started from a, a brother from here in this church, uh, Carlos, was Carlos? Oh, no, Ray Perez. And, uh, and then uh, the Gregans took it over. But we've been connected for a long time, and uh, last January, the Gregans made a commitment to have this as their home church. So they're one of our missionaries that we support on a monthly basis. In fact, that map over there is our missions map. All those lights represent missionaries that we support. Uh, there's information on the table if you want to go over there later. But I want to ask you to please give a warm welcome to a brother that's been faithful in and out of prisons, getting phone calls all during day and night, ministering above and beyond the call of duty for many, many years. We're fortunate to have him. Plus, he's a great keyboard player. Amen? And worship leader. Give Doug Reagan a warm welcome if you can. You didn't bring your sax. No, I did not. Oh, man, we need a little solo. <laughs> thank you very much. Can, uh, can you hear me? Yes. Pretty good. Thank you, Jesus. Greetings to everybody. Praise God. I'm really excited to be here today for many reasons. It is Prison Ministry Sunday. Amen. Prison Ministry Sunday. Ju- uh, the last Sunday in June is officially Prison Ministry Sunday. There's some registry where you can register events or, or days of the year. Prison Ministry Sunday, believe it or not, is a registered day. It's a thing. All right? Isn't that pretty cool? Yes. So now we just need to get the word out. And if, you're, if you have been following, uh, I've been trying to get them on the New Life Facebook page. If you've been following, uh, June is Prison Ministry Prayer Month, right? So 30 points of prayer for 30 days. And it's so this is our sixth year of holding the Prison Ministry Prayer Campaign. I'm telling you, it's one of the most powerful things that the Lord has uh, kind of guided us to do. I'm really thankful for it uh, because you just see the power of God. You see the, the, the work of God through prayer. And so if you've joined, if you've ever watched a video, ever prayed for a point, I know uh, 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 Sister Pam was uh, faithful to hand out, and Esther handed out the prayer points. I'm so thankful for that. So every prayer that you have prayed, just understand you're touching people. The power of God is not limited by space or time. What a glorious thing. Uh, so, yeah, we've been doing this for 18 years. I want to try to navigate my time well because I do have a message from the Lord that I want to make sure I, 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 I get out, right? Because when I say get out, I mean it's like in me and I've got to get it out. Um, if you know, you, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but I want to acknowledge a few people. The first person I want to acknowledge is Wayne Zanke because he is transformation. He is the gospel of Jesus Christ transformed. Amen? I mean, you can't... You know, let, me, let me just share a quick testimony. Now, on, on uh, I think it was uh, June 22nd. June 22nd, I'm going to try to do this quick, but it's really amazing. On June 22nd, we prayed for sex offenders. All right, sexual offenders. Men who have committed crimes against children. One of the most difficult and challenging and heart-wrenching and, and quite frankly... Uh, uh, angering 
things that, you, that, that can happen in the world, right? Darkness. You want to talk about darkness, we're talking about crimes against children. If you're incarcerated and you've committed a crime against a child, you are, you are immediately put into protective custody. Because you're in a class, all right, where you are oppressed, you are rejected, and if they can, depending on the condition of the jail and the quality and the character of the jail, they're coming after you. So we're talking about what the world says is an impossible situation. The world looks at sex offenders and says, and clinically they'll say this, these men cannot change. I tell you with everything in me, June 22nd, you can go listen to the prayer, amen. It's recorded for, for posterity for all eternity as long as YouTube is online. June 22nd, we prayed for sex offenders. And the power of God met myself and Tom Peterson, a wonderful brother in the Lord. He's going to be here tonight to worship with us. And so I just want to share this quick testimony, right? So Tom, this man that I just referenced who prayed with me, he shares this prayer point. And then he goes to a party that is for his teacher. He's a, he just retired as a teacher from the Lynn Public Schools. And so he goes to this party. He meets a woman. Who's, he finds out she's a Christian. He's known her for many years. And she says, Tom, I saw your video. And I just want to let you know that... Uh, when I was uh, back early on in my, you know, in my career, I, ministered, I served in a prison, and I got written up because I refused to serve or treat a man who had raped two children. I refused, and I got written up. He said, she said, I, I just don't believe they can change. So she hears transformation. She hears testimony. And this woman still, after so many years, a Christian in Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ is what? It's the power of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God. So what this woman has done, let me just make it clear for you, she's established a boundary for the power. You've established a limit on the power of God. And I guarantee you, when Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead, God on his side said, there is nothing impossible for me. So we have this woman who says, I'm restrained. I've set up a boundary. Now, let's fast forward. You have to watch the video. There's too much i got to fill in. But let me just share this. One of the, one of the men that, that Tom ministered to and Tom served listened to the video as well. This is, he's a man who's been transformed by the power of God. He is a man today who I guarantee you is one of the most faithful, powerful servants in his church. And that's what he is. He's a servant in his church. He's not looking for glory. He's serving God every day of his life. And he's been changed by the power of God. And he hears this prayer. And he has, by mandate, every two weeks, a, a, a required meeting for, ex, sex, you know, for sex offenders, right? It's a, it's a mandate for his uh, particular release. I need to get myself a water. So just so much thinking about that. Uh, and so this man, what he does, let me, he says... I'm going to play this for my group. So he takes the prayer point and he prays it for the group. And what he says, just to get the contrast, you have this woman who, who's in Jesus Christ, who's in Christ, and she set a limit on the power of God. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate it. He plays this, this prayer for the men of his group. Now, these men are not believers. But when they heard the love and the compassion and the faith, even the leader of the group, they broke down. They were so deeply affected by the prayer of faith that, there's, that there are people who truly believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God to save. I pray and trust that you are such a man or a woman of God. Amen. Is there any limit to what God can do 
There is not. And of course, that's why I reference my brother Wayne, because, uh, you know, hey, I, I was there, right? Wayne was there. Joanne was there. Joanna was there, right? Looking by sight, you say, well, this is impossible. Who can change this? Who can change this heart? And the Lord says, I can. The Lord says, I can. Praise God. I want to also acknowledge a dear friend in the Lord, Thomas Alexopoulos, and his wife, Mildred. Make sure you say hi to them. Thomas comes in with me to the Middlesex House of Corrections, where I serve part-time as Protestant chaplain. I'm privileged to do that, and he's part of my ministry team. And I'm telling you, he's a great, he's a great man of God. But thank God for him. Yeah, what a testimony. What a testimony. Now, Hope Mail. We all know what Hope Mail. Anyone heard of Hope Mail? I'm going to try to be quick. Right? Writing notes for who are, hope, who are our Hope writers here? One, one, two, three. Where's the Linda? Is Linda around? All right, I know we have at least three or four, right? So, where did she go? Oh, there you, oh, there you go. Danita, thank you. And, and uh, Le- uh, yeah, Mel- uh, Layla, thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I, you know, I get a little nervous up here, all right? So, Hope Writers, hope, write, hope Notes. We have 550. We sent out 554 letters to over 40 correctional facilities across the country in over 25, or just under 25 states. So, praise God. The gospel is going forth through this ministry. And you who are writing personal notes, you're touching people. Every week we receive at least something that is an indication that God has ministered to a man or a woman through these little simple handwritten notes. If you want to do that, do that. What a, it, you can just sit in your living room, take one name, and change that person's life for that month. Because there are many men who receive no mail whatsoever. None. Okay? So take that opportunity. What a wonderful way to serve God and reach a place that, uh, again, you don't even have to leave your, your living room, but the Spirit of God and your prayer touches that individual. So praise God for that. I have a, a sign-up sheet for a newsletter. I'm going to hopefully, I'll just put this here and we'll see if something good happens with it. Um, feel free to, to take that. All right. So I have a word for today. Are you ready for it? Yeah, we have to pray because, uh, yeah, because I need God. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, now, as we're coming together, we're coming into agreement. We're coming into agreement because that's the place where you move. If there's any discord, any disunity, you're frustrated. Your word bears that out. And so we as a church right now, we collectively come and we say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Have your way. In each of our lives, have your way. Any discord, any disunity in the name of Jesus Christ, Father, we purpose in our hearts to bring it down. Whatever the cause, wherever the source, we determine to enter into Christ's likeness. Whom you foreknew, you predestined to be conformed to the image of your Son, that he, Christ, might be the firstborn among us, his children. Thank you, Father. We worship you today. And Lord, I need your spirit and your quickening power. Because I know that this message has come from you. I know it's come from your heart. But without your spirit, it's nothing. If I talk loud, if I talk soft, that's nothing. What matters is the power. Let there be a demonstration of spirit and power, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let your word be quickened now by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Father. I trust you, Father. And I thank you for reaching 
Every person who I know this message is prepared for, and it's each one of you. The Lord is speaking to us. He's speaking to us today. Father, I yield myself to you now as a vessel. Please cleanse, wash, sanctify, and speak now under the anointing of your spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of my message today is Looking for a Weeping Man. Looking for a Weeping Man. Just to make connection to Prison Ministry Sunday, about approximately 10 or 11 years ago, spontaneously the Holy Spirit gave me this message on a Sunday night at the farm. It's from the book of Nehemiah. And I, I don't even, it just came out of left field. I I was reading Nehemiah and boom, this message pops into my head. And so I ministered it to the men and and the Lord moved through it and touched one, at least one man in particular. I don't have time to tell you his story, but I know he was affected by this message. But now, you know, that left my heart and my my attention. It's not like I've been thinking about this thing. And then a few months ago, the Holy Spirit brought this back to me. Looking for a weeping man. If you followed the messages and the will and the the voice of God in this church, you know that God is extending an invitation to us. You would have to be, quite frankly, blind to not understand that God is reaching out to us. He's telling us, I have something for you. I'm setting something in front of you. And those of you who want it, I'm going to pour out my spirit. I'm going to bless you. But we must pursue it. So I'm telling you that God is pursuing us, but we must then allow ourselves to be pursued. That's an individual choice. I can't do it. Pastor can't do it. Pam can't do it. No one can make you seek after God. The Spirit will draw you. And remember what the Scripture says. The Lord says, hey, you draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. So there's an initiation on our side. Amen? And so may the Lord minister that initiation, even now as we share this. So I believe specifically for new life, this is a word. I believe there are even people in this church that I believe this word is for. I'm going to trust that into the hands of the Holy Spirit. In this life, saints, as we're talking about uh, Roe v. Wade being overturned, as we're looking back at the past three years of political turmoil, and literally the, the, the crumbling of our nation... All right, I'm not going to get political with you, but don't be deceived. The nation is under full assault, and I, I'm just telling you, we need to be who God has called us to be. This invitation is for this hour because the Lord's return is imminent. In this generation, in the final hours and minutes before Christ's return, the Holy Spirit is sending out an invitation to you and to me. I believe it. All right, and the invitation that the Lord is sending out is this. There it is. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hey, I made a few slides, huh? Come on now. I'm not a slide maker. You can even see the little pretty pattern that, the, that I found on the online. It's hard to keep up with Stacy, right? And these art, these, Pam and these artists, you've got to keep up. In this generation, in the final hours and minutes before Christ's return, the Holy Spirit is sending out this invitation. Who will serve as I served? Who will love as I loved and who will declare my word as I am? Now, I'm going to be starting with some statements that are common to us and they'll be very familiar to you and there'll be a lot of agreement within you. You'll say, yes, oh, praise God, that sounds wonderful. But as we continue through the message, the tension's going to increase because the Lord is calling us to a place. He's calling me to a place. He's calling all of us to a place where we've not been before. 
Because the hour demands it. The darkness demands that we be under an anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit to touch places that we're not touching now. We're not touching the darkness. We're not touching the trafficking that's going on. We're not really touching the abortion issue that's going on. We're not touching the wickedness and the lawlessness of this generation and in our nation. We're impotent right now. Saints, I'm sorry. The church is not walking in its full authority. So the Lord is extending an invitation. Who will serve as I served? So get the contrast between who you are and who Christ is. Who will love as I loved, right? Who you are in love and who Christ is in love. And who will declare my word as I am. Now, we're going to take a look at a scripture here that's going to be our guide, one of our guides through uh, my message here today. May the Holy Spirit help me and temper me in time. Uh, let's go to the next slide, please. Second Chronicles 16.9. Second Chronicles 16.9. Let's read it together. You don't have to say it out loud, but just read it with me. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, the whole earth, so that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. You have acted foolishly in this. Indeed, from now on, you will surely have wars. What an interesting verse, right? Let's read it one more time. Listen now to the first half. This is broken up into two sections. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the whole earth. The eyes of God are moving right now in our midst, looking for someone, for anyone, whom the Lord can show himself strong in. For someone whose heart is completely and fully given to him. The Lord says, I want to show myself mighty in the midst through a vessel. Amen. The Lord is looking for a vessel. Someone who is completely his. And then we have this strange uh, second part here that we're going to look at later in the message. You have acted foolishly in this. Indeed, from now on, you're going to have wars. So we must have courage to ask God for his heart and to fear and worship him in the beauty of holiness. The invitation that God is setting before us is to join ourselves to Him, to His nature and His character. God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. And when we're looking for a weeping man, we're looking for someone who hungers and thirsts for that character, that quality of God, that is holiness. We're not just talking about being saved. Being saved is wonderful. No, the Lord is looking for someone who will enter into his very nature and his character because that's why Christ came. To make you Jesus. To make you Christ-like, according to Romans 8.29. Whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. That's the great work of God. Have you embraced that work? Is it personal to you? Does it matter to you so that you're fighting to enter in? To that which God has made available and is extending to you. To have the courage of, to ask God for his heart. Now we're going to another verse here. We're going to go to take a look at Hebrews 1, 8 and 9. May the Lord give us understanding in this disparity as we're getting ready to enter into this invitation. In Hebrews 1, 8 and 9, we have this, uh, this uh, declaration of who Jesus is. All right, salvation flowed through this, these two verses, Hebrews 1, 8 and 9. I'm not gonna, I don't have time to break it all down for you, but this is, this is the work of God on the earth everywhere, all generations. It flows through this. Right? I'm just simplifying. I'm keeping it simple, but I'm telling you I believe it with all my heart. The work of God on the earth is to work through righteousness. The kingdom of God is built on righteousness. The kingdom of God 
Remember that what God is doing in us, brothers and sisters, is He's preparing us now for where we're going. That's not something you can sidestep or put off. Right now, the Lord is inviting you to prepare for where you're headed. And this is where we're headed. Think about the authority now. Your throne, right, of the Son, He says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the righteous scepter is the scepter of His kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. The scepter of the kingdom of God. When I said already that the invitation has come, the man who's going to be a weeping man, and let's be clear right now because thank you, Holy Spirit, for telling me. You need to understand there are women who have the call to be weeping. There are women in this church whom the Lord has put something in you and it's burning in you and you need to know the Lord says, I'm going to release that in you if you'll have the courage to follow through. Right? There are women who are weepers. They weep for the heart of God. And we need to understand that it's, it's right for you to walk in the fullness of that. Don't let anybody else tell you different. Amen? Don't you let anybody define you. You let Christ define you. You let the Word of God define you. The Lord calls you. Men don't call you. God calls you. So if the Lord has put something in you, He's going to bring it to pass. But what this generation needs is authority. The reason that we're so powerless right now, the reason we're so impotent in our country, is because we have no authority. The scepter of your kingdom, O God, is a scepter of righteousness. The church is compromised, and we need to get back, or we need to allow the Holy Spirit to deal with us and bring us into His authority. And so his authority is built on these two statements. You have loved righteousness, but you have also hated lawlessness. To love righteousness, we say, I love righteousness. I love living for God. I love God. I love his nature. I love his character. But you know what we also love, brothers and sisters? We love our little lawlessness. A lie here or there. Watch a little show here or there. Use a little this. Drink a little that here or there. Gossip here. Gossip there. Talk about her, talk about him, murmur, complain, complain about this. We love our lawlessness. We have no issue with it. When the Holy Spirit says, Doug, I want you to go and serve here. I want you to speak to that man. I say, Lord, I'm busy. Okay. I got things going on. You, you, you can send somebody else. That's lawlessness. If you can say no to the voice of God, that's lawless. The Holy Spirit says, look, at you've been sitting in front of that television for three hours. What are you doing? Go seek my face. You say, Lord, there's, I'm almost finished with the episode, right? The season's almost over. Don't you understand? Lawlessness. Righteousness and lawlessness, not according to our standard, but according to the standard of God. Who measures righteousness and lawlessness? Do you understand that lawlessness... All lawlessness, the Bible says all sin is lawlessness in 1 John. All right, all sin is lawlessness. Lawlessness is measured by the kingdom of darkness. If you're lawless, if I'm lawless, it's of Satan himself. There's no middle ground. You can't say that I'm lawless just in myself because your lawlessness is rooted in the lawless one. Who was a liar, a thief, a murderer. So you don't want to forgive that person? Guess what? You're lawless. You don't want to show mercy, right? You want to be that person who says, God can't change this sex offender. I'm not going to serve that man. 
You want to be that individual? You go ahead, but you're being lawless again, and you're contrary to the gospel. The invitation is looking for someone who will absolutely cling to that and say, God, it's not in me, but put it in me. I don't have a love for righteousness, but I'm crying out to you, put it in me, Lord God. And I don't have a hatred for the lawlessness that's at work in my flesh, but I believe the power of your cross is sufficient to accomplish this great death and raise me in newness of life. So in light of this invitation, I'm just going to remind you of four things very quickly. First of all, in Christ you've been purchased. That's what we're trying to frame something here. We're trying to frame looking for a weeping man. What I'm trying to communicate to you at this point is the Lord has a right to look for you. He has every right to look for you. You were bought with a price. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Whom you have from God and that you are not your own, you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God with your body. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20. For who has called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's free man. Likewise, he who was called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought with a price. Do not become a slave of men. Don't become a slave of men. Don't become a slave of the world. No, be a slave to God. Revelation 5, 9 and 10. They sang a new song saying, Worthy. Now listen, this is the culmination of all worship of all nations. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation coming together. Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals. For you were slain. And you purchased for God with your blood men and women from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be kingdom and kings and priests to our God and they will reign on the earth. So if you can't enter into becoming a weeping man or a weeping woman, think about what that says about your participation in the culmination of Jesus Christ receiving all glory in this moment. Yeah, I'm challenging you because the Lord is challenging me. When the Lord spoke this message to me, you know, the first thing he said was, you're not it. You're not living it. I'm giving you something to share that you're not living. So the invitation starts with you. What are you going to do with it? You were created for glory. Ephesians 2.10. We are his. Pastor said it just last week or the week before. We are his masterpiece his workmanship hallelujah created for good works in christ jesus we have been compelled because we belong to him the love of christ controls us compels us because we thus judge that one died for all therefore all died and why did he die for us brothers and sisters he died for all so that we who live would no longer live for ourselves but for him who loved us and died for us and finally, we've been apprehended. Paul says this, may it be our heart and our mind. I, not that I have already obtained this, or I've already become mature or perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. So in this generation, in the final hour, the invitation stands again. Who will serve as I served? Who will love as I loved? And who will declare my word as I am? So now we're going to look at a weeping man. How are we doing? You say, what is a weeping man? What does a weeping man look like? There are a lot of them in the Bible. 
we're going to take a look at one, because in the giving of Nehemiah, in the life of Nehemiah, we see seven things. Seven things that I believe uh, mark what a weeping man looks like, a weeping woman looks like. May the Lord give us ears to hear. All right? Now, this is Nehemiah. I'm going to read you a passage of Scripture, Nehemiah 1 to 11. I know it's a lot, but we need to hear it because I'm going to reference it as we go. All right, you ready? How are we doing? Everybody all right? Come on now. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. I'm going to butcher some names. Be gentle on me. Now, what happened in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, while I was in Susa, the capital, that Hanani, one of my brothers, and some men from Judah came. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and survived the captivity about Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who survived the captivity, they're in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burned with fire. When I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I love Uh, And I said, I beseech you, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that uh, that I am praying before you now day and night on behalf of the sons of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Yes, I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted thoroughly corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments or statutes nor ordinances that you commanded your servant Moses. But remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses when you said, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if, if you return to me and you keep my commandments and do them, Though those of you who have been scattered were in the most remote parts of the heavens, I will gather them and I will bring them to the place that I have chosen and caused my name to dwell. They are your servants and your people who you redeemed by great power and your strong hand. I, Lord, beseech you, make your ear attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight to revere your name and make your servant successful today. Grant him compassion before this man. And I was the king's cupbearer. All right, so I know I've read a lot to you, but what we're going to do now is we're going to break this thing down into seven points that highlight the heart of a weeping man, of a weeping woman. May the Lord give us ears to hear. I'm going to pray. Father, this this must be of your spirit. And I simply commit each of us, give us ears to hear. Refresh us even now in this moment. Refresh us to hear. Lord, I, I, I just come against dullness of hearing in the name of the Lord Jesus. I come against dullness of hearing in the name of the Lord Jesus. I thank you for your great love, Father, because I know this word needs to have a place of entrance into our lives. Thank you, Father. I love you, and I love your people. I love this church. I love these people because I know what you've said in front of us, and we want it in Jesus' name. So here's the first thing. Number one, Nehemiah asks, now I think, yeah, I've got these seven points, right? Yep, there you go, the anatomy of a weeping man. Nehemiah asks about the condition of the people in the city, in the temple. The first thing that a weeping man or a weeping woman does is they care about the condition of the people and the temple. 
the Lord is driving a hard point here. Because what God cares about is the people and his church. Now, when I say the people, I'm referring to people individually. The spiritual condition of the people. Individuals who call themselves by the name of Christ. And what is the condition of the temple and the church of Jesus Christ corporately? So I want you to see these two points here. The people, the person next to you, left or right, right? The person next to you and the church. Us as new life and beyond that, obviously, into God's church. The church of Jesus Christ corporately all around the world. Nehemiah cares about this. Nehemiah inquires He is looking to understand the condition of the people. He's looking for an opportunity to minister into the places that he knows God needs to go. He's looking into the condition of the people. Are you looking into the condition of the people, brothers and sisters? Are you seeing by the eyes of the Holy Spirit the needs that are present in this body of believers, in your community, on your job? Are you looking with the heart of God? Are you looking with the heart of God? And does it compel you? Does it move you? So the first thing we have to understand is that God gives Nehemiah sight. All right? He understands the heart and he cares about it. He inquires. A weeping man gets before God in prayer and he says, God, how is your church? Because as we know, brothers and sisters, right now there are people present whose lives on the outside may look well, but on the inside they may be in torment. They may be miserable. They may be enslaved in sin, in bondage. They may be in darkness. They may be rebellious. They may be lawless. Whatever the need is, a man or a woman who has this heart is seeking after them. Not so he can get in their face and be in their business, but so that he can intercede before God. So that he can plead before the throne of God on their behalf. So if you don't know the condition of the people and you don't know the condition of the church... How can, you, how can you intercede effectively? If you're not hearing from the Lord, doesn't the Lord speak when I ask? Does he not respond to me? When I say, God, how is new life? How is pastor doing? When was the last time you wept for pastor? How is my pastor doing, Lord Jesus? How is his family doing, Lord Jesus? They serve me faithfully every week. How are they doing? Or are you sitting and saying, that pastor... That pastor, he did this. He, he didn't even pay attention to me last Sunday. I tried to talk to him. I tried to say hi to him. He ignored me. I can't believe it. What's wrong with this guy? I'm just telling you right now, you're not going to get very far as a weeping man or a weeping woman. God's not going to move through that. He's not going to move through that. So here's the answer that Nehemiah gets. The people are in distress. The people are in distress. The church is in distress, brothers and sisters. They're in reproach. The church is in distress. Righteousness and lawlessness are are intermixed in the church right now. We really have no issue with lawlessness. We have no problem with it. As it. As long as we can cover it up with some verses, right? We can justify it doctrinally. Hey, I'll just pull a verse out of here and say, this is okay. And I'll just pull a verse out of here, or I'll just get my scissors and I'll cut big chunks of scripture out, right? I'll just, hey, I'll, let's, just let's just manipulate the word of God and make it uh, uh, say what I want it to say. The church is in distress. The church is in reproach. The people are in distress. God's presence and his divine life are far from them. There's no fruit of the Spirit. And the city has no walls, right? These are the two responses that Nehemiah gets. The people are in distress and the city has no walls. Now, what does it mean that the city has no walls? 
What it means is this, saints, is that the world has fully breached the church. When the city has no walls, the world has full access to you. If, there are no, if, if the standard of the Lord is not the standard of righteousness, remember what we read, the scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of righteousness. If the authority of righteousness is not in your life and the world tries to seduce and entice you, what are you going to have to stand on or resist when the world says, come and follow me, I've got something wonderful for you. Doug, come and follow me, I've got something wonderful for you. Hey, look, did you see how that girl looked at you? Oh, oh, what a way, hey, come on now, maybe a little wink, a little nod. A little, little work, flirtation at work. You see, we've got to come into the light, saints. And it's, it's time to do it. I'm just telling you, I'm interjecting this right now. It's time to do it. There, there's just no time to waste anymore. All right, Jesus is coming. There's no time to waste. And there's no shame in getting right with God. There's no shame in getting right with God. Far be it for me to stay in a closet, amen, to stay in darkness and suffer in torment. No, I'm going to come right into the light and lay it all on the table. You can see it all. One of the things... That people, they have a hard time with my ministry because I just, I just, I'm really honest. You don't know my story yet, right? But I'm just telling you, it's ugly. I'm a wicked man. I'm a wicked man. I've done things that are disgusting, despicable if you knew what they were. But you know what that says to us? It says we're all in good company. Take your eyes, right? Take your eyes off yourself and look to the cross. The cross. At the cross. Now, what happens when Nehemiah gets this? Nehemiah, he, he, the, the condition grieves Nehemiah to the point of tears and a righteous response. The condition grieves Nehemiah to the point of tears. He weeps, he fasts, and he prays. Fundamentally, I could end this message right now. Looking for a weeping man, looking for a, wo- a weeping woman. Are you weeping over the condition of the people and over the condition of the church. Does it move you emotionally at all? Does the heart of God, has the heart of God entered you so that you're affected when the Holy Spirit says, Doug, look at the church. In Ezekiel chapter 8, the Lord, the Holy Spirit takes Ezekiel and he brings him into the temple, the most holy place. And there, I don't know how many stages there are. I think there are about four or five, maybe six. But the, the Holy Spirit takes Ezekiel and he says, Ezekiel, look what my people are doing. And then he says, you think you've seen, and it's, you know, they're worshiping sun gods, they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And then he says, you think this is bad, look at this. And then he shows them some more wickedness. And then he says, you think that's bad, look at this. And on and on it goes. That's what a weeping man is called to touch. Not by himself, but by intercession. The authority that a weeping man has is the power to touch by his prayer the situation that looks impossible. Hear me when I say it again. The authority of a weeping man is given by God to touch the very impossible thing he's looking at. So Nehemiah weeps, he fasts, and he prays. His heart is gripped with the purpose. But there's a turning point now, right? Nehemiah gets the report, and then he begins... He, he begins to take a position. 
Righteousness, the the understanding of righteousness, the understanding of lawlessness. The heart of God has a place in Nehemiah's heart because he's a weeping man. And he immediately begins to turn from himself and and the circumstance. And now he begins to face God. And this is what he says, great and awesome God. The first words out of his mouth as he moves from the condition to to the solution, he says, great and awesome God. Great and awesome God. Great and awesome God. Holy are you. You preserve the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. Nehemiah is convinced of God's faithfulness to his covenant and his character through righteousness expressed in obedience. May the Lord help us. Let me, break, let me say it one more time. Nehemiah is absolutely convinced. What is faith? Brothers and sisters, is it not the substance, the very foundation of things hoped for, and the evidence of that which I cannot see? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Nehemiah is gripped by the faithfulness of God himself. He knows the covenant. You said this. This is who you are. You want to touch your husband who's in sin? You want to touch your wife who's angry, bitter, resentful? You want to touch an employee who you're wrestling with, struggling with? Lay hold of the nature and the character of God. Stop looking at the circumstance. Stop looking at the person and look at God. Look at God. Great and awesome God. Now, I know some of you think I'm reading your mail. I'm just telling you I'm not. Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant. Nehemiah has faith that God will hear his cry. Nehemiah believes it. So that's number three. Number four, Nehemiah understands that the condition of the people and the city and the temple is because of their sin. It's simple, brothers and sisters. Deal with the sin and the blessing of God will come. Isn't it? uh, God, the kingdom of God's not complicated. Everything that God does, everything he moves on is not complicated. Simply deal with the sin. Come into the light. If you confess your sin, the nature and the character of God is that he's faithful and he's just. And he'll cleanse you and wash you and establish you and set your feet on a rock and he'll position you. And you don't have to beg or plead or grovel. It's the grace of God that does that. The goodness of God will put you back where you were called and where you belong. So the Lord's speaking even right now. Amen. Some of you, you're wrestling with something. I'm telling you right now, the voice of God is telling you, just, just come to me. Pastor's been saying it for, for weeks. Stacy has been ministering it for weeks. Just come and bring the truth. Stop denying the truth. And I guarantee you the power of God's going to meet us. Amen. So confessing the sins of the people. We have sinned against you. I and my father's house. Notice Nehemiah doesn't stand off and say, Lord, look at these people. Now here I sit, right? I'm, I got it going on. Right? I got it going on. It's these losers over here. They're the reason. It's their problem. They're the ones who are doing this to us. No, no, no. Nehemiah understands, right? We're all like grass. We're all dust, right? There's no one righteous, not one, Okay. So we're coming on common ground. The common ground, again, that is the cross. The simple things of God. The great salvation that is given to us. And he says, let your ear now be attentive to the prayer of your servant. 
All right? Nehemiah does not factor in his own righteousness into the request. He sees a bigger picture. Nehemiah knows that God's promises, this is number five, promises in character that he will be faithful to himself. Now listen, I'm going to interject something from 2 Timothy quickly. It says, for this reason, this is Paul speaking, I endure. Heavenly Father, give us the, the heart of the weeping man or the weeping woman. Listen to the language. This is Paul. This is Paul. The Lord's inviting you into a place that you, just like myself, right? The Lord spoke to me very plainly. Doug, this is not you. But I'm, I'm extending the invitation. We're in a good place, saints. Because the truth is, none of us are weeping men or weeping women. Not that I know. I hope if that offends you, I'm sorry. We're not weeping men. We're not weeping women. Not yet. But the Lord is calling. And we hear it. We hear it. I hear it. For this reason, Paul says, I endure all things. For this reason, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And this is a trustworthy statement, because if, he, if we died with him, what well, we will live with him. If we endure, meaning we suffer, if we suffer hardship, what will we also do? We will reign with him. Hallelujah. In other words, the scepter of righteousness, we will walk in the authority. We're not just talking about eternal reigning. We're talking about reigning with him now, reigning with him in the authority of the Holy Spirit, reigning with him, with him in the name of Jesus. And if we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, the scripture says, Paul says, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. A weeping man understands. The Lord cannot deny himself. That's good news for me. Amen. The Lord can't deny himself. Thank God he can't deny himself. Thank God that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nehemiah is not shaken by the impossibility of the situation or the present spiritual condition of the people. He is fixed on God alone and he understands the power of repentance and his own humble prayer. Nehemiah is not shaken by the impossibility. Again, I said it in front of you. I don't know what's going on in your life, but if there's anything impossible, the Lord says it's not impossible. If there's anything going on in our community, the Lord says, that's not too hard for me to touch. If there's anything going on in our church, the Lord says, I can do that. I can do that. Do you believe that? Do you believe it enough to weep for it? To get on your face before God for it? To fast for it? Do you think that's just hyperbole? Do you think that's just drama being dramatic? Do you think it's just dramatic that... Do you think Nehemiah was putting on a show when he got on his face before the people? And he got on his face before God and he wept and he fasted and he prayed? Do you, just think, do you think he was looking around saying, Hey, do I look... Are you noticing what I'm doing? No. No, Nehemiah did what he did because it was in him. And that's where we have to start. God needs to put within us the reality of his glory. Because in his glory all things are possible. All things are possible. So I don't know what's going on in your life, but it's time to confront it. It's time to confront it. It's time in faith to stand up and say, I, w- I will not allow this to rule my life anymore. Whatever it is, your own bitterness, your own anger, your resentment against God, you got to complain against God. Are you bitter towards God today? Guess what? It's time to confront your bitterness. Are you unforgiving? 
Are you holding on to a, 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 an offense? Are you not allowing the Holy Spirit to deal with an offense? I'm telling you right now, it's time to confront that offense in the name of Jesus Christ and say, you will not govern my life anymore. You will not govern my life anymore. Are you bound to a behavior, to an addiction, to a sin? It's time to confront that in the name of the Lord Jesus and say, the power of God, the scepter of righteousness is the scepter of my kingdom. Do you understand? I walk in the authority of Jesus. Sin, the scripture says, Romans 6, 14, will no longer have authority over you. Because you're crucified with him and you're risen with him in newness of life. The authority of the kingdom of God belongs to you, brother. Belongs to you, sister. It's time to stand and begin to to resist. Hallelujah. Put the devil in his place. The scripture says submit to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. That's not just hyperbole. That's not just a pretty verse. It's the reality. It's the submitting to God that's the hard part. Because you've got to deal with the truth of your own heart. Amen. You've got to deal with your own wickedness. You really are someone who loves the thing that you're trying to get victory over. Okay? Talk to me. Look, we'll sit down. We'll have a conversation. I loved my sin. And I didn't get free from my sin until the Lord began to finally break into my space and say, Doug, don't tell me you hate this. Don't, don't try to fool me with your fake tears. Don't try to be, you know, don't, don't try to, 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 uh, to justify or blame shift because you're doing things for me because you're, you know, I'm using you as a vessel to lead worship or minister a word to X number of people. Don't try to use that as to prop yourself up. There's something wrong in your heart and you need to get it out and you need to let me in there. Let me in. May the Lord give you ears to hear because there's freedom. Amen. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. The last thing that Nehemiah does is his faith and his prayer are fixed on taking whatever action is required, even if it means costing him his life. You see, a weeping man or a weeping woman, when you start stepping into that call, people are going to hate you. And the reason they're going to hate you is because you're going places that the Holy Spirit has already been inviting them, but they're not going. And the tension of that is going to increase. All right? The tension of walking in places where God has called you to go, and you responding to that, people around you... Now, some understand. Some are going to rejoice. Some, look, look, I'm just telling you. This is going to be... Uh, it's like... Uh, it's kind of magnetic, right? It's just this idea. They're... they're You start walking in righteousness. You start walking in a place of authority. You start allowing the Holy Spirit to to lead you and bring you into places you've never been before. People who are watching, people who are longing. Do you understand that there are people who are longing for you to begin to walk in the call that's on your life because they're waiting for you? There are people in this church that the Lord is waiting for you to step into the call of God on your life. Because others will follow you. Whatever it costs, whatever it takes, whatever action is required, even if it costs you your life. Even if it costs you your life. Now, what Nehemiah does in the weeping and the fasting and the praying is, you know, Nehemiah would treat him as a very small, kind of a, 
I mean, you know, it seems like, yeah, I don't know about you, but when I look at Nehemiah, he seems like, it's like, uh, he seems like a really nice guy. I'd like to know that, Nehemiah. He just seems like a really nice guy. Nehemiah, he fasted, he wept, he prayed. But let's be clear. Coming out of the captivity, coming out of the Babylon captivity, Nehemiah led the charge to the rebuilding of the city and the rebuilding of the temple. Nehemiah did not do a small thing. The entire city was affected by what Nehemiah did. One man touched the entire nation. Now, there were others who joined him, Ezra, right? Ezra is an encouraging. There are so many people that we, have, we don't have time to talk about today. But understand, this one man did, as he sought after God, as he got in God's presence, God affected him, and the people were affected by him. Praise God for that. Now, I'm at the point of the sermon as a minister where you have the tension of I have a lot more to say and not a lot of time. But I I have to mention, at this point I need to mention and I'll do it quickly, we're going to compare now. So we're looking, we've looked at Nehemiah, the seven points. Let's just review them quickly, right? I think it would be right for me to do that for you. First of all, what does a, Nehemiah, what does a weeping man do? They, they look at the condition of the people in the city. They're, they're seeking, they're asking God for God's heart, and they care. Okay? So whatever the Lord speaks back to them, they respond with weeping, fasting, and prayer. Their heart is no longer gripped with the trouble, but they're gripped with the heart of God, the character and the confidence of God. All right? They understand that the condition of the people, when, 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 when things are run down, when things are in despair, when, when there's reproach, the reason for that is that there's sin. And sin needs to be touched by the power of God, the blood of Jesus, and his cross. And so Nehemiah, he understands, and he begins to seek God and repent. He comes into agreement with repentance. He knows the power of that prayer. Nehemiah knows the promises of God, the character of God, and the word of God. He's standing on something that God has spoken. It's not emotional. It's truth. And some of it, you need to hear that right now. May the Lord give you ears. Don't be led by your emotion. Your emotion does not define you. The word of God defines you. And your emotion certainly is not your authority to resist sin or overcome the devil. It's the authority of Jesus. And Jesus Christ has all power and all authority. Amen. So do not be led by your emotion. You need to repent of that. If you've been led by your emotions, you need to repent. Doesn't mean God doesn't care about your emotions. It means they're governing you and they're bringing you down. It's time to put them in their place. It's time to put depression in its place. It's time to put anger and resentment in its place. It's time to put anxiety and stress in its place in the name of Jesus. Those things don't govern you. The Holy Spirit governs you. You walk in the authority of Jesus Christ. And finally, whatever action is required, you're going to do it. Okay? We talked about repentance already. What do you need to confess? The scripture says, confess your sins one to another. (sighs) Revival would break out if we really put all the ugly stuff on the table. Stop trying to protect ourselves, our reputation. There you go. Now, 
I just want to look quickly at the person of King Asa. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, 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 I feel confident I can move quickly through this. All right, Pastor. King Asa is a man who began as a weeping man, but his end was ruin. He started in one place, the place that we've already described Nehemiah was. But King Asa ends up in a very bad place. And I want to just walk you through that. The first thing we know is that King Asa began began as a weeping man. Asa did good and right in the sight of the Lord. Asa got a hold of the heart of God. And he took that to the nation. And he said, look people, we're, we're going to get right before the Lord. We're going to tear down all the idols. All of the, uh, the, adulterous, the adulterous worship, all of this uh, wickedness, it's coming down. We're going to confront it. All right, so he begins constrained to the righteousness of God. That's where King Asa begins. He trusted and he obeyed God. And then what happened as Nehemiah be- or as uh, King Asa began to step into uh, this obedience and this, this, uh, uh, this constraining himself to the righteousness of God, what happened was the blessing of God began to flow. It began to flow into the man. And suddenly the people are rejoicing. Suddenly the blessing of God comes. Suddenly there are two great victories that Asa wins because he did this. The, uh, he's got the Ethiopians that come against him and the nation of Cush. Two great armies. Ethiopia, a million man army. And, his, and Judah took him out. A million man army. What can God not do? Hallelujah. Why was that? It was because, Nehemiah, uh, because King Asa said, you can tell I've got Nehemiah on the brain. It was because King Asa said, this is who God is. I have bound myself to his nature and character, and I will bring those that are, that are under my authority into his righteousness. That's the way the kingdom of God should flow, brothers and sisters. When you walk in authority, the authority and the blessing of God flows through you. And so what begins to happen is there are 36, there are... Uh, Uh, almost 30 years of peace, over 30 years of peace. The people begin to leave Israel, right? There's Israel and Judah. This is just a little side note, but it's important to get. The people begin to, to leave Israel, which is in wickedness and idolatry, and they flee to Judah. Cause, cause it's so clear that God is with King Asa. They're like, Hey, we're getting out of here. (laughs) Let's go to where God is. And so they begin to move. But what happens is 36 years, or 35 years of peace. And what happens is, this king, King Basha of Israel, he gets a little tired of his people getting up and heading to Judah. And he says, I'm gonna, they got to knock this off. I'm going to cut this thing off. So he sends word. I'm coming after you, King Asa. Okay, you're going to stop this. Now in this moment, everything turns for King Asa. May the Lord give us ears to hear. When King Asa was facing the Ethiopian army and the army of Cush, what did he do? I don't have time to tell you, but I'm telling you, he got before God. He got before God. He wept before God. He sought God, and he believed God. And the Lord gave him instruction, and he followed through in obedience, and the blessing of God came, and the victory came. Amen? It's that simple. That's the Christian life. Jesus shows us how to live this thing out. But in the 36th year, King Basha of Israel comes against Asa... But this time, Asa doesn't go to God. He goes to the world. He goes to the king of Syria for help, and Asa uh, sends to the king of Syria the consecrated things of God, and he trusts in the world to deliver him from his enemy. 
Now, what I'm saying here is very important because some of us are living in a frustrated place. There was a momentum in our lives, the call to be a weeping man, the binding to righteousness, the constraining to righteousness. It was at work in our lives. And we were experiencing the power of God. The call of God was at work within us. We were in faith. We were in a place of faith. But then, as time began to move and as time began to go forward, something began to shift within us. Something began to shift. And suddenly, when an enemy comes, when something begins to oppose this call, usually it comes through persecution, some kind of persecution, whether it's persecution from an individual or persecution from a life circumstance. You injured yourself, you're sick, you uh, lost your job, uh, you, you, know, you got a report from this person or from that person, uh, you have a relationship turmoil, something begins to come against you. And what happens to uh, King Asa is when Bashar sends this word, King Asa goes to the world, and I find this very interesting, may the Holy Spirit help me here please, the, when King Asa goes to the world, the world gives King Asa exactly what King Asa wanted. If you go to the world and the world gives you what you want, breaking free of that bondage is very difficult. You see, we have needs in our lives. We're either going to go to God, we're either going to press into the hard thing, the hard thing of being a weeping man, a weeping woman, or we're going to go to the world. And now, you know, biblically we'd say, well, usually when, when the people go to the, to the world, God judges them and he, he gives them a defeat, right? But the Lord is very wise. And sometimes he'll give you exactly what you want. You want to go to the world? You can go to the world. The Lord let King Asa go to the world. The world gave King Asa what he wanted. But what happened in King Asa's heart? What happened? Let's go back to the verse. The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the whole earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. That's what God's looking for. But this is what happened to King Asa because he went to the world. You have acted foolishly in this. And from now on, you will have wars. King Asa's heart was converted and he became an angry man. And suddenly he went from being a man of God to being an oppressor. He persecuted the prophets, he persecuted the priests. And suddenly this this man, who was once a righteous man, a weeping man, became an oppressor of God's people. And he lost the life that God had intended for him. He became sick, he died, right? He, he, He died, he didn't go out well, I'm just telling you. It didn't go well for King Asa. Today... Some of us are in this place. We have allowed the world to become our primary source of comfort, of relaxation, of distraction from the needs that touch God's heart and his kingdom. Weeping over what breaks God's heart is now far from us. This invitation is going out to those who may be like King Asa because it's not too late to return to the call of God to become a weeping man. To take again the yoke of Christ and bind yourself to his righteous love and character. (laughs) Heavenly Father, as, uh, as I'm just striving to be led by your spirit, I pray that you would come and meet us at this point. 
You need to know the Lord doesn't despise us when we don't respond to the invitation to be a weeping man. The invitation simply remains. For those of you who today, you know that this was your call. You know that this was where you were. But you also know when and how the world got in. You need to know that the Holy Spirit is saying, return to the call. My invitation still stands. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open, I will come in and I will sup with him. I'm going to close. I'm going to close with the words of the Apostle Paul. do so just in obedience to the Lord. This is the last thing that the Lord gave me to share. There are many things that have kind of had to leave out. That's okay. I know that, I know that, you know, where we are right now is good. But as I, as I begin to read this passage from Acts chapter 20, I pray that the Lord would give you a sight for the world and its condition and that the world would also give you a sight of God's people. Remember what Nehemiah saw. Remember what Nehemiah inquired. What is the condition of the people? What is the condition of the church? And I'm, I'm just telling you very plainly, if that doesn't touch you, if it doesn't affect you, we need to repent. If the condition of the people doesn't touch you, you need to repent. You're, you're not allowed to stay on the sidelines. You're not allowed to let your brother or or your sister be irrelevant to you. You're just not. You're not allowed. It's not permissible. It's contrary to the heart and the character of God. It's contrary to the blood and the cross. To just stand off at a distance and say, well, these people, they're just going to do what they're going to do. I'm doing my thing. Hey, I'm doing my thing. I go Sunday and Wednesday. I, I watch the live stream. Come on, give me a break. Come on. How much more do you want from me? Lord says, I want all of you. I died for you so you would no longer live for yourself, but now for me. I bought you with my blood. I have works for you to enter into, masterpieceful works for you to enter into. I created you for those. Do you understand that we're going to have to give an account for the things that were not done in this life? Not to perdition, but for the glory of God. Do you understand you're going to give an account for the things you didn't do for God and the Lord had set apart for you for? The Lord has set you apart for good works. You're his masterpiece created for good works in Christ Jesus. God has ordained for you to walk in these things. Do you understand you're going to have to give an account? There was a man who was given a small amount, a small uh, a treasury to, to steward. And because he said of, of this, of the, of the master of the king, he said, you're a hard man. You're a hard taskmaster. This is too hard. I can't do this. You're asking too much of me. And the Lord said, you, you say that this is who I am? Then your judgment will be according to your words. But the Lord, you see, the Lord doesn't want to leave you there. It's time for the Lord to soften our hearts. May the Lord come and touch us right now. Holy Spirit, I've communicated the things that you put on my heart. I ask you in the name of Jesus 
for you to bear witness in the hearts of those who are being called now to be weeping men and weeping women. And I ask you, Father, by the power of your Spirit, to do what I cannot do. Because I see through eyes of faith, I see my own life through eyes of faith, but only the power of the Holy Spirit can touch you. Only the power of the Holy Ghost can touch you. Yes, you're going to be persecuted. Yes, it's going to be hard. But if you try to run from this, brothers or sisters, the word is going to be like a fire in your bones. And some of you right now, that's where you are. You're living in torment because the word of God is in you. Shut up like a fire in your bones. And I tell you today, it's time to get up. It's time to get up and become and enter into the call of God on your life. It's time to stop worrying about what other people say or what other people think. It's time to stand up and become all that God has called you to be. Take courage. Be of good courage. You have an inheritance in the kingdom. And the Lord says, everywhere you set your foot, I've given you the land. It's time to deal with mixture, idolatry, spiritual adultery, and love of the world. It's time to deal with it, saints. Powerless? Are you powerless? You have no capacity to resist sin? Do you have unbelief? This is too much. God can't do this. I'm in too dark a place. I tell you right now, repent. Repent of your mixture. Repent of your compromise. Repent of your, com- your, your familiarity with lawlessness. If lawlessness is at work, if you know right now you are being disobedient to God, I call you to the altar. Repent. Don't delay. Don't wait. The voice of the Holy Spirit I know is speaking. It's time to respond. You say, yeah, you're just, you're not the pastor. You're just this guy from New Brothers. I know. But the invitation didn't come from me. The invitation didn't come from me. The invitation has come to me from God, and I give it to you now through the voice of God, through the word of God. It's time to become a weeping man. It's time to become a weeping woman for your family, your marriage, your children. There are children, there are teenagers, there are young people who need mothers and fathers to begin to fight. You do not surrender your children. And if there are mothers and our fathers who are fighting for their children right now, but they feel like they're all alone, it's time for the body of Christ to come and say, we will fight with you in the name of Jesus. We will weep beside you. We will fast next to you. We will intercede on your behalf until we see the glory of God and the power of God. Loose your sons and daughters. say anything that I believe I've discerned by the Holy Spirit. It's that God has been offering this for a lot longer than we think. And people are not responding. You still stay in the, you stay in the chair. You stay in the pew. You know. And yes, I understand. I'm rubbing you. I understand there's tension here. I understand. I'm calling out things. 
loves you. The Lord created you. The Lord has life for you. And the torment you're living in, it grieves his heart. It breaks his heart to be to see a tormented man, a tormented woman, a tormented, a tormented family. Heavenly Father, right now in the name of the Lord Jesus, I ask you please. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up and just come. Get up and just come. Just come in faith. I don't care if you're the only one. I don't care if this message is for one person. Get up and come. It's time. It's time. You'll be surprised how many people will follow you. Get up and come. Come. The Lord's speaking to you. It's time. You know the call. You know his voice. You know the torment of of not reheating the call. It's time. Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, see your people, Lord God. See your people. They're coming in faith, Lord. They know your character. They know your heart. (laughs) They know your heart, Lord God. They know you love them. They know you love them. You'll never leave them, never forsake them. They're here in faith now, Lord Jesus. Pour out your spirit, oh God. Meet the faith. Meet the confession. In the name of the Lord Jesus, oh God. Pour out your power now in the name of Jesus Christ. Spirit of God. Pour out upon us, we pray in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, saints, I give you instruction. Because I don't know what's going on in your life, but you do. And it's time to come into the light right now. So if you want someone to confess to, if you want someone to confess to, grab somebody. somebody, May we have people who are ready right now. But I'm telling you, it's time to, to confess before God whatever you're dealing with. I don't know what it is, but the Lord does. But you've got to open your mouth. You've got to do what Nehemiah did. You've got to confess your sin because you know that he's faithful and he's just to forgive you of of your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. It's time to deal with a hard thing, brother. It's time to deal with a hard thing, sister. It's not too hard for God. I know it feels hard. I know it feels impossible, but the Lord says, no, you trust me. You come now, you trust me. You lay this on the altar. Grab hold of the horns of the altar and let the blood of Jesus wash you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness in Jesus' mighty name. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Oh, God. I just feel led to say a prayer of repentance. If you want to confess it with me, you can. But I'm going to repent. I'm going to say a prayer of repentance. Heavenly Father, 
If you want to open your I guess I would say, I encourage you, open your mouth and speak. Heavenly Father, I've sinned against you. I've been in rebellion. I didn't think it was rebellion. But now I know it is. I know I'm not walking where I belong. I know you've called me to places I don't know how I'm going to get there. But I believe. I believe in Jesus. I believe in his blood. I believe in his cross. I believe in the resurrection that is the power. Power of God. Touch me now. Raise me in newness of life. I receive Holy Spirit. Your divine life. A cleansing by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh God. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit. Thank you Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Spirit of God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Spirit of God. Yes, Lord. Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Spirit of God, touch your people. Touch your people, oh God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bring it into the light, saints. It's time. It's a new day. It's a new day. Glory to God. It's a new day. It's a new day. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. As far as the east is from the west, he casts your sins from you. Sets your feet on a rock. Puts a new song in your heart. Thank you, Lord Jesus. just to sing over the church for a few minutes just to sing over the church as the spirit would lead her
sounds for the reluctant preachers. This sounds for the reluctant teachers. This sounds for those crying out for change. Holy gosh. Jesus. There's a fire shut up in your bones. You can't contain it. Your spirit knows there's a fire shut up in your bones. You can't contain it. Your spirit knows. Release the sound of the Lion of Judah, triumphant king calling for his people. Release the sound of those crying for change. This is the sound of the Lion of Judah, triumphant king calling for his people. The sound of living water that changes. Revival, shout for the nation. Victory, cry for spirit. The sound of those asking for change. Release the sound of the Lion of Judah. your spirit knows. Come on, church. There's a fire shut up in my bones. My flesh may fail me, but my spirit knows. Come on, open your voice. Release the sound of the Lion of Judah, triumphant king, calling for his people. Release the sound of those crying for change. Revival, generation, victory shall for the nation. Revival, come break our chains. It's the sound of rushing water waves falling harder waterfall making waves breaking chains it's the sound of rushing water waves falling harder waterfall making waves breaking chains 
hear the voice of the Lord, church? Do you hear his voice? The word tells us it's the sound of rushing, roaring water. Can't be ignored. I release the sound of the Lion of Judah over you, my friends, my family, our church. I release the sound of the Lion of Judah who is calling you from the dark places, who is calling you from the darkness. May we, may we not have deaf ears to hear the rushing water of his voice calling us. We release the sound of the Lion of Judah, Lord, in this place, in this house. We repent and we turn to you, Father. I thank you, Lord, that this sound is for the prodigal daughters, for the sons who have forgot they had a father, for the prophets who feel voiceless, for the reluctant preachers, for the churches that stand empty, Lord, we release the sound of rushing water. We release the cry of the Lion of Judah. We thank you, Father, that you speak to your church. We thank you, Lord, that you are speaking now, and we pray, Father, for chains to break that as we respond to you, the rushing water will be louder than any thought in our heart, in our mind. I thank you, Father. Forgive us, oh God. Release the sound of the Lion of Judah in your family, church, in your life, in your home. Man, that the Lord is just so good and wants to respond to you. Doug said it. He's been speaking to us for so long. Can you imagine ignoring God's voice? Let's gather around the front if we can. Just want to wrap this up and, and pray God's seal over what's going on here. something to women who have that call burning in you you're going to face persecution the Lord spoke this specifically to say today you're going to face persecution but you need to understand the lives that are going to be affected by your weeping the lives that are going to be touched by your walking in the in the anointing that God has placed upon you has called you to are going to be many and I just pray may the Lord gird you and, and, and set your face like a flint. Don't let the words of men move you. And I'll say that very plainly. Don't let the words of men, meaning male, move you. Don't let the words of men move you. The Lord has gone before you. The Lord will bring to pass and make a way where there seems to be no way for the call of God on your life. Enter into it by faith. It's by faith. Thank you, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts. 
Thank you for your word. Thank you for the delivery of our brother Doug. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will continue to speak to us. Continue to convict us. Continue to heal us. Continue to call us out of sin and call us into relationship with you. And call us into various areas of ministry because we know there's a hurting world that needs to know the truth. So Lord, I just we just want to say thank you. This is a wake-up call. Help us to weep. Help us to weep, literally. Break our hearts. Lord, ultimately we could talk about different sins. And there's probably a time for that. But ultimately, Lord, it's pride that says, it doesn't matter what I do. It it, it all comes down to that. So forgive us of pride, arrogance, um, self-centeredness. Forgive us, Lord, for bringing you down to our level and making, making us think that you're like us when you're not like us. You're trying to call us up to where you are. We bring you down to where we are, and it doesn't work that way. So, Lord, forgive us for these things. We could go, we could talk about particulars, but it boils down to pride and arrogance that we either don't believe the Word of God, or we, or we don't think that the Word of God is for us, or we don't think there's any consequences for the Word of God. Lord, forgive us for all of that. Forgive us for all of that. And Lord, we know there's another side of this too, that many of us right here in this room, many on live stream, we carry around in us a lot of hurt from life. And so we may say things or do things or act a certain way because of the hurt in our heart. And we don't want to be rebellious, but we we don't know how else to respond to life. But your, your word is so clear. You have come to set the captive free. Some of us are captive to our hurt. We've been hurt. We've been, we've been um, damaged by life, by people, by loved ones, by the system, whatever, the church even. We've been damaged. So if we're not as diligent, we think we have justification And it's not right. We know it's not right, but we feel okay with it. But Lord, help us with that. Forgive us of that. And so, Lord, from from my perspective as the pastor, we're trying to build a church. We're trying to reach our kids and our youth and try to touch so many people's lives. But Lord, if our lives are not right, we, we have nothing to say. We have no right to say anything. Lord, it's a mess. But thank God for you. 
Thank the Lord for the Lord. Father, we thank you that you're here for this very reason. Paul said it, oh, wretched man that I am. Oh, I'm, I wanted what I want to do, I don't do, and vice versa, and I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, wretched man, who will deliver me from this body of death? I'm going to finish that prayer in one second, but I just want to tell you this real quick. When Paul said that, he probably was referring to a situation in that culture. Listen how gruesome this is. They would literally take a dead person and tie the dead person onto the back of a living person to make that living person feel the brevity of their crime. And they'd have to walk around with a dead person tied onto their body. Isn't that gross? And, and that dead flesh would, would begin to infect the living flesh with sickness and disease, and then they would die a horrible death. So when Paul said, Lord, who will deliver me from this body of death? What he's saying is, I'm living, I'm living this life, but my old man is tied onto me. My old nature is tied onto me. And he would try to cut off the old man, and he couldn't do it. And neither can we. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Jesus is the only answer to the problem. We've all got a problem. Jesus is the only answer to the problem. So let, I'll finish the prayer now. Father, Lord, we have that this old nature. This old nature. And um, sometimes we deliberately go there. Sometimes we not deliberately go there, but we fall into things. Father, God, we can't cut off the old man. I mean, we, to a degree. But who will deliver us, Lord? Only you, Jesus. You, 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 you can and you must. Give us, Lord, the, the motivation, the desire. The, give us the vision that we can actually literally be free. Let us realize it. Let us realize the power of a testimony of a changed life. But Father, we, I, just, I just pray, Lord, for the church. I pray for me, my loved ones, my family, Lord. Everyone's dealing with stuff, difficult days. <clears throat> but Lord, we don't want to live under the old person. We want to live under the new person. So Lord, we just say, forgive us, cleanse us. Lord, accept our confession. We don't know where else to turn to. Lord. There's no one else to turn to but you. So we turn to you, Lord God. This is why you came. We know this. And now it's the reality. We have to surrender to that. So, Lord, I, I, leave, I leave everyone's, including my own, mess in your hands. Leave it all in your hands. But, Lord, I know, I know you're, you're trying to build a church here that will affect generations of people. So, Lord, as imperfect as we are, we're, we're giving up the fight and surrendering to you and saying, Lord, help us, forgive us, cleanse us, clean us up, and empower us not to go backwards, but to go forwards. Help us, Lord, with that. Help us with that. This we pray in Jesus' name.
Incidentally, there's a kids' workers' meeting right now, so. Downstairs. God bless you.